Hey guys, Anna Victoria here, and I'm so excited for you to join me on my podcast, Your Best Life. I'm the CEO and founder of the FitBody app, a fitness influencer, and a personal trainer. Every week, I'm going to have a special guest that will share their unique experience and unique story to share how they learned how to live their best life, even if they're still working on it, since we are all a work in progress. I can't wait to help you learn how to create your best life. Hi guys, Anna Victoria here, and I have my wonderful husband, Luca, who I roped into being here with me today. Hi, Luca. Hello. <laughs> um, so my guest today is Sarah Nicole Landry, who is an influencer, blogger, and podcast host. She runs the Birds Papaya Instagram account and blog, and she got widespread attention when she made the decision not to hide her stretch marks. She now has over a million Instagram followers and hosts Papaya Podcast. She is a powerhouse of confidence and self-love, and it wasn't always that way. So she's going to share a really amazing story of that discovery of how to get there um, and how you can hopefully get there as well if you are struggling with finding that inner confidence. Um, and another thing that she shared that really blew my mind was about the harassment, which I mean, I, I shouldn't be surprised, unfortunately, because I've experienced it myself. Yeah. But um, the harassment that women get on social media so, Luca, yeah. what did you think about I, that? I can't believe that women have to deal with that on social media. It's, it's horrible and it, it's honestly, like, it's mind-blowing. Like, mm -hmm. it, you know, and I don't even understand how a guy can even think that would get to that, something. That, that it or, would work? It would work, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand. I literally can't understand that. Hey, we technically met on Facebook, okay? We did, but through mutual friends. Mutual <laughs> friends, true, true. Yeah, I remember when... I had to log in in your Instagram account during your lives to block right. to block creepers, to block men that were being <laughs> right. inappropriate and saying inappropriate things. So, yeah. yeah, I can't believe that women need to deal with that on social media. Yeah, whenever I go live on Instagram, unfortunately, I just get like inundated with creepers and I don't know where they come from because they don't follow me. And Luca, <laughs> well, you, you logged in for a bit to kind of block them, but then it got to be a bit too much for yeah, you, right? Yeah, I did it a few times and then I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, it really yeah. pisses me off. So we have a team member yeah. help out, help Luca out of it. But yeah, unfortunately, it's not just on social media. Like it happens in real life. And she has um, a story to share about that as well. And just overall... Um, just so much inspiration from this episode. So I can't wait for you guys to listen to it. So here is my conversation with Sarah Nicole Landry, also known as the Bird's Papaya. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to chat. I'm so excited too. I'm so glad this worked <laughs> out. I know we've been chatting and trying to figure out a time this yes. could work. And so I feel like today's our day. I'm really excited. Yes. Amazing. Do you want to start off by just telling us a bit about your story and who you are? Absolutely. So I actually started blogging back about 12 years ago. I kind of was in wow. this this blogger space because I really found I was so in love with this idea of human connection. And I really thought at the time it was going to come through by being this amazing mom blogger who would do DIY crafts, who I was I was completely <laughs> horrific at. I don't know how I really believed in myself for that. But I mean, that just goes this the kind of power between self-belief. But 
I I was an OG blogger. I did it 12 years ago. I was a mom of two and I named my blog after my two daughters. So I named it after my daughter Gemma, her nickname Birdie, and my daughter Maya Papaya. So Maya Papaya, Gemma oh, Birdie. Oh my gosh. AKA the that Birds That was going to be one of my questions. Like where yeah. does the Birds Papaya come from? I that is know. adorable. Well, back then it was such a big thing to have a cutesy blog name. I mean, it's Tater Tots yeah. and Jello, Fingerprints on the Fridge, The Pioneer oh, Woman. Everybody had like a cool blog name and I was like well I need a cool blog name so that's gonna be mine <laughs> so I went ahead and I and I did blogging for so long and at at one point I didn't renew my blog in time and I lost it it was actually bought out by a porn site and I wasn't able to get my no. domain back you're yeah. kidding so all Wait. that traffic everything that I'd worked on for I think at that point it was like maybe five years in was gone like and it's still to this day. No, I got it back. I finally, but I mean, oh, I didn't did. have the money originally to even have right. the conversation about getting it back. It was hundreds of dollars to even buy it back from. So just a reminder to anybody: if you have a domain, renew it or put it on auto renew because that's what oh, happened to me. Yeah. So oh, I did wow. that, and then when Instagram kind of came about. I think I experienced it like everybody else did. We just kind of went on there. We used that really weird blue filter. I was documenting <laughs> my kids. I was documenting my life. And it was before Instagram stories. So we we Instagrammed everything. But at that time that it was kind of coming out, I had also just moved home to my hometown. And I no longer was living in my postpartum season in a different city. I was now back around friends and family who knew me. And I felt very aware of my body. I just suddenly, it was just one of those things. I saw one photo and I just became very aware of where I was at. And so I really, really thought, you know what? All of this sadness I've been carrying around all of these struggles, my answer to this is going to be weight loss. This is what it's going to be. And if I just lose the weight, I'm going to feel so much better about my life. I'm going to be way more active with my kids. I'm going to be way more involved in their childhood. Let's go for it. And I went full steam ahead and it melted off of me. I mean, I lost 80 pounds within the first year, a hundred pounds wow. in total over the span of like another six months. It was absolutely insane how much it kind of just came off and so quickly. Yeah. And did you, was it through like working out like or eating healthy or both or did you go to an extreme? Uh, so at the time I didn't realize that it was the extreme for sure. I thought yeah. that I was doing everything perfectly healthy. I thought that it was exactly how you should be doing it. And the fact is I was, I was going to an extreme, but again, I, mm. I really want to remind people that for a lot of people, when they're entering into these types of seasons, we're not filled with education and information. We're doing the best we can with what we know. And at that time, that's what I, that's all I had access to. That's all I had the ability to do was download an app and start working out as much as I could at home. So I did that. And what I didn't realize was that the app didn't know who I was. It wasn't a doctor. It didn't identify my extremes. And I was eating between 1,000 and 1,200 calories a day. And I was working out two to three times and not eating back those calories. Oh, no. So it was like coming off of me and here I am like now it's been noticed on Instagram and I'm this success story. I'm this mom who lost all this weight. The news stories all over the world are picking up this whole thing and I'm on the cover of a magazine and I'm starving myself to even make that cover. I mean, I, right. I think to face that reality afterwards was really difficult because it was almost like coming out and saying, I didn't mean to lie to you, but the reality is I did all of this so I could be more present in my life. I did all of this because I wanted to go to the beach with my kids 
And I actually have more anxiety than I've ever had around my body. Mm-hmm. I'm so scared right. to leave the house. I'm face tuning my pictures. I don't know how to love myself when all I've been doing is targeting hate over and over and over again. I don't think I got it right. And now I need to change the conversation. So I started to shift. And with that, obviously, because I was living in such an extreme, I had to start looking at my disordered eating and my obsessive working out. And I had to start regaining some of that weight, which is a really uncomfortable thing when you've built a platform on weight loss and the success story and these transformation photos. So I started having a different conversation and truly through the exhaustion of my own experience. And I didn't realize how many people were also struggling with these things. I didn't realize how many of us felt alone in our bodies, especially postpartum. I didn't realize how many of us were, were truly struggling to show up in our bodies and struggling to find our balance because it felt like it had to be one extreme or the other. So that's kind of what ended up landing me into these new types of conversations. This idea of self-love being more action than it is feeling and and kind of going from there. So things kind of exploded and uh, now here we are. Yeah, I was going to mention that because you've really exploded, I feel like, what, in the last year? Yeah, so... Maybe year and a half? I had a a pretty strong platform uh, for a few years. I mean, it was pretty stagnant, especially when I changed from curving away from the weight loss community and into something Mm -hmm. a little bit more... Um, life applicable for me and just kind of journeying with me through that. It was also going through a divorce. So there was a, there was a lot going on. So when um, I had that shift, I think I was around 60,000 followers. It started okay. to grow and I, and I started to have this as I was kind of growing in my own words and in my own life, I started to grow the audience as well. And I realized that the connecting factor was exactly the same thing I felt 12 years ago. It was human connection. It was this idea of community. And if I could just continue that, I didn't have to be all of the things that everybody else was doing on Instagram. I just had to be myself. So I finally quit my job. At the end of 2018, I think I had 80,000 followers at the time. Within two weeks of giving that focus to my own platform, I had 100,000. And by the end of 2019, I was at 750,000. And I just hit a million last week. Amazing. Congratulations. <laughs> and I feel like it's so ugh, it's so like 2020 to be like, congrats on a million followers. But like you are doing something good with it. You yeah. know, like you have a million followers because you have such an amazing message and you are using that platform for good. So that is where those congrats are really. Thank in order. you. I, I know. I think yes. it can be I think it can be confusing because we don't want to kind of be valued by our numbers. But at the same right. time, especially when you look at such a journey of somebody building something and and any other job in any type of career when we hit these milestones or almost like a promotion or it's a good showing of how good your work has been these are indicators of that and I think that they I think as women we're very apologetic about our success and it was kind of uncomfortable for me to even celebrate the million but as I kind of leaned into it I realized you know what this is 12 years of work 99% of that I did for free. And here, look at this community we've built. Look at this conversation we've had. Look at how it's grown. And that's something I really want to lean in and be proud of. So I'm trying to be a lot less Canadian about it, a lot less sorry. (laughs) Well, I love that you also highlight like this is 12 years Mm -hmm. of work. Like this wasn't just like an overnight thing, you know. I mean, sure, you got to a point where like, 
just your growth and your reach accelerated and, you know, exponentially, but you had to put in all that work leading up to that to get there. So, yeah. Um, well, you touched on so many amazing points that I just can't wait to dissect. So, um, but first you, you mentioned that you have, uh, children, you have Mm -hmm. three children Yep. and you were 19 when you got married. Yep. That's right. I was 19 when I got married, three kids by the time of 25. Oh man. Okay. And so how old are they now? They are all about to have birthdays, but they're currently 13, 11 (laughs) and nine. So we've got, we've got teenagers in the house. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I actually didn't know that you first were like a fitness kind of transformation success story. I I didn't know that. So um, I knew that you lost like so much weight, but um, how do you feel like, what was that transitionary period like for you to realize like, hey, this is no longer serving me and mm. this is something that has become toxic? Well, at the time that I was going through a divorce, Um, I actually lost a little bit more weight. And one of the Mm -hmm. things that happened was everyone was coming up and congratulating me, not realizing at that time that I'd barely been able to get food in my mouth for about two weeks. I'd been shaking nonstop. I was, I was really actually very unwell mentally, physically, uh, emotionally. I was very sick and everyone was like, oh my gosh, congratulations. And I was like, wait, what? Like where, where did this come from? And recognizing I had kind of created that and I, people didn't know what was going on with me. And I had to really face that as a society, we'd really glamorize that a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and I think what was, what was interesting and what was difficult was the relationship with food was one aspect, but the fitness part of it, I really had looked at it for so long as something that was meant to, I was doing it because I didn't want to gain weight. I was doing it to lose weight. I wasn't doing it because I was looking at all the reasons that it was so loving towards my body and that it was so enjoyable. And I really just looked at it as a performance thing. And I didn't, I didn't. I don't know. I don't think I had gratitude for what it was doing for me mentally in a much bigger story. So that's the one thing that I feel has been such a struggle is this divide between people working in the body confidence world and the people who are also in the fitness world. And then there's the weight loss community. And I'm like, we actually can join hands in so many parts of this conversation because there are- And we should. As we should, because we need Mm -hmm. to support each other because those extremes happen for so many people. And I don't right. think that the right answer to that is shame. I think the right mm-hmm. answer to that is is showing up and being a support person because for me, when it when it came through that, the last thing I needed was people turning their back on me. I needed people there to support me through that next step and through loving fitness and not just doing it as a means to hate my body into happiness, which is truly right. what I was doing at the time, right? Yeah. So, Right. Yeah. I feel like it's so hard with social media, Mm -hmm. like being a personal trainer, being in the fitness industry, like it's such a visual platform that it's really hard to get that message across. And so I try to use the max character count, you know, of my captions to like really drive a different message. Mm -hmm. But it's just it's so hard because so many people just see that image and they see the before and after. And also like just being completely honest, like something that I've struggled with is that like people really like extremes, you know, like they really default to, okay, if I'm going to get fit, I need to go balls to the walls. I need to over-exercise and I need to not eat anymore. Yeah. Or it's, it seems like it's the opposite. Yes. Or it's that if I don't want to lose any weight, then that means that um, fitness working out isn't for me and I don't need to care about what I'm putting in my body. Exactly. And 
I've always tried to live in that middle ground. Yes. I'm like, hey guys, like you don't need to be on one extreme or the other. Yes. And it's it's hard because like ugh, diet culture is such a problem now and it like is. the the messaging that is out there. And I try to be so conscious of mm-hmm. that to never never lead with talking about a woman's like physical characteristics is something that they need to change but I also don't want to shame someone who wants to you know it's so hard um but you know with the people that like are just wanting to what I've also realized is a lot of the people that are like wanting to quote unquote like look good in a bikini um that's a lot of times what they start out with but then when they come in at least you know I hope to other brands but like mine is like they they will come in with like, okay, yes, I'm going to give you killer workouts and meals, but they're going to get so much more out of it yes. that it's about the mental and emotional journey. But unfortunately, like that's not what sells, you know, yeah. telling people that they're going to have this transformative, you know, spiritual journey. Like that's not what they want to hear. Yeah. And they're going to go to someone else that's going to tell them what they want to hear, you know, so. And that's it. And I think that that's what is, I, I almost always relate it back to like a haircut. When we go and get like a good haircut, you see somebody get in their car afterwards, they take that bomb picture, they're feeling so good about <laughs> themselves. And so they've identified it as the haircut that has made them feel so good. They didn't identify that they just invested in themselves. So they just put a personal investment in their time and with their money on themselves. They didn't look at the fact and consider the fact that somebody putting hands on them might be an act of love that felt really good. They didn't think about that human connection they had in those conversations and those moments of that haircut what that actually was doing. So when they go and they go in the car and they have this new haircut, which might look bomb and they might feel great for it, they've only identified that it's what I look like that has caused this transformation in my thought. This is why I feel so good. When the reality is, it's actually a lot of the other things that have happened internally that have created that emotion. And I can speak to the other end of it too, being somebody who really actively went through a weight loss journey and a fitness journey expecting happiness and only to realize that it wasn't actually those things. It wasn't the physical form that was causing the happiness that I needed to look at. It was more of, like I said earlier, using those things that are tangible points of self-love as action and not emotion. That when we seek doing things for our body, sometimes it's actually amazing when we are, I'm huge into weightlifting because weightlifting is such a, it's so opposite from everything else in diet culture where it's all about how much stronger you get. It's all about actually weight gain a little bit too. And it's not about these same things, but it, I love being able to see my strength grow and not be so identified by my pant size, which is such a shift. And I think for a lot of people, I I understand why the transformation photos can feel so hopeful because they we've now created this morality between a before and an after. And we did create a good and bad with that. So coming through the other side, I can say from both ends, you can actually be unhappy in the before and you can be unhappy in the after. Right. So what is the real life look like? What is moving forward look like? What happens after the after? And that's where the kind of the good stuff is. Because for me, I still love 
being able to work out. I enjoy it so much. If I have a day that it doesn't happen, I don't beat myself up about it. And right. on Friday night, I want to have pizza with my family and watch a movie. <laughs> yeah. And that's also balanced too, right? That's also what brings me joy. That's also self-love. And it, yeah, like we said earlier, it's not so extreme. It can be incredibly whatever you want it to be. And in terms of people who are choosing a path where they know that they might go down weight loss, I kind of like to restructure the way we we think about it and more say, I'm going to go forward in, in acts of love for my body and my body may release weight during this process. Yeah. But I am going to love my body through that, whether or not it releases it in the time zone that I want it to. And then it creates a much more happy ending because it's almost like whatever happens, happens. But at the end of the day, if we truly want to be women who are body positive and body confident and all those things, we have to allow authority over our own choices. And that is including those who might make the choice to seek a different path in terms of even if it includes weight loss, no matter what it is, like that is still an authority that we have over our bodies and whatever that journey looks like. Yeah, because I feel like, you know, being... Like I, when I started off on Instagram, I was a fitness account, but it was, I was anonymous for a year. It wasn't about like what I looked like or posting pictures of myself, but this was 2013, you know, when like Instagram wasn't what it is today. Um, And then, you know, to posting about like my own transformation, I was proud, not because of my physical transformation. I really kind of looked the same. It was just uh, my body composition was was a bit different, but I felt so amazing. And that's what I was like. I want to scream this from the rooftops. Like I feel so good. I also came from eating fast food three times a day Mm -hmm. my entire life. Mm -hmm. That's all I knew. And I loved it. And I was young. So like I could do that, you know, and then I started having health problems because of it. And like, I genuinely did not understand that food affected how you felt. I literally growing up my whole life. For sure. Had no idea. And um, that kind of led me, you know, I was on one extreme and I always knew like, okay, I'm on this extreme right now. I don't want to yo-yo to another extreme. Like, cause that's just, I feel like that tends to happen sometimes with people is that they go from either being, you know, severely overweight, um, having, you know, binge or eating disorders or various disorders to orthorexia, which is, you know, the addiction to to clean eating and working out. And that's not healthy either. Yeah. You're so right. Yeah. So I always was like, okay, like I just, I'm excited about sharing my journey because I feel so great and I want other people to feel so great. But that is, again, it's so hard to communicate via pictures, you know? Yes. Um, Do you feel though, like, I feel like Instagram has kind of gone through like its own kind of transition Mm -hmm. of like, first it was this place that was super fake, my perfect life. Then it was like the, you know, posed versus like sitting or whatever photos like had a moment. And then, you know, those kind of came and gone. How do you feel like where it is today? Do you feel like we finally found like a good middle ground where there's like body positivity and also taking care of yourself coexisting? Or do you feel like those industries are still a bit separate? I feel and I struggle with this too because I don't like the combativeness of it all. I think that we're still dealing with a little bit of this call out culture and this idea that everyone has to get it perfectly right. And it doesn't really leave a lot of room for learning. It doesn't leave a lot of room for understanding all sides of it. It doesn't help to go and project hate or shame onto somebody's page that maybe hasn't learned the same things you have. It's just a great time to have that conversation 
education and to learn some of those things. And so I think like there's a lot of things that we've identified as maybe not so great. I think we all have realized now that we our language is changing and all these things. But the one thing that I feel like I've noticed the most is that it doesn't really matter what we're posting necessarily anymore. Images are so powerful, but it's the words and the texture behind it. It seems like Instagram stories are kind of this background to it all. And we also have almost what's called like they're showing as mini blogging. They're saying in 2020, we will see long form captions. We're craving more content in that way. We want to take it in in a much more real way. And people are willing to sit and read that and listen to that. And that's kind of been my experience as well. Sometimes they're really short. Sometimes they're really long. But I think there is this, this idea now where we're starting to gravitate to these, these mediums for not only inspiration, but information. And I think that's why we're following people now. Originally, we just followed any account we felt like. And now we're, now we're kind of like, ooh, I don't want to follow anybody. I already follow 5,000 people. Why would I choose 5,001? I'm, I'm already overwhelmed. So now we're at this place where you have to be bringing either information or inspiration. And that's happening for brands. It's happening for people. It's happening for influencers. All across the board, it's happening. So we are in such a cool time where we get to be part of that medium. And we've already seen massive social change because of that medium, because we've given microphones and voices to the everyday women and men out there. And also so much more diversity and so much more inclusion happening. It's no longer the bubble society that media had where they kind of called the shots and we were just kind of whatever it was we had to take it. Now we get to do that and we get to choose what we project forward and we get to choose those kinds of things. So I think that while there's still a lot of combative things happening, we're also in such an age of information. And I think that it's so cool. And I think that it's just such a thing that we need to be so honoring of and so respectful of in the process of learning what that means for us. Yes, we're being held responsible for these things. But at the same time, what a cool opportunity, what a cool, what a cool means to share our stories and to use our stories to do something, to activate something else. I think that's where I kind of feel so strong about it and how almost in awe of it, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. It really is like an amazing moment that we're in right now with yeah. technology and social media and the ability to connect people from all over. And like you said, give a voice to the everyday people that like, yeah you know, sharing those struggles and what we've learned and the ups and downs. And that actually brings me to talking about your Instagram and the content that you share. So it did change, you know, from fitness content, as you mentioned, but you are so unapologetic about sharing your body, stretch marks, all of it. So how, first of all, a huge like <laughs> round of applause to you. I love your content. Thank you. Um, but how did that come about? Like, how did you get that confidence to be able to say, here I am? It was one of the things that kind of happened through losing weight is that there was a lot of aspects of me I could never really fix without a massive extensive amount of surgery. It wasn't going to happen. So I had started to share a little bit about it. And at one point, a, a founder of an underwear company reached out and said, I would love for you to come and model in this campaign. And I said, absolutely not. Like, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> doing it. I'm comfortable sharing in the way that I like to share, which is like a very curated look at that of, of my yeah. stretch marks. I was very posed. And she was like, you know what? The shoot isn't happening without you. So we'll see you there. <laughs> So, You're kidding. No, she was so strong. Oh. And I was like, such a, I'm such a people pleaser. So I was like, okay, oh. I'll go. <laughs> so I took the day off work and I went to the shoot. And I've never been so nervous in my life. First of all, because 
I've been so used to creating my own content. I knew exactly what my body was going to look like in every photo. I was very safe in that realm. So when I showed up and the photographer was a foot shorter than me, immediately I was like, oh, no, 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 no. We take photos from this angle. Like, what are you doing? And I'm now stripped down into underwear and modeling and I'm watching the other women in the room and even the professional models had stretch marks on their hips and had cellulite on their butts and I was almost attracted to it. So there was that Mm -hmm. part of that day that felt really magical as I slowly got more comfortable. But it was when the picture came out and what happened was it wasn't on my platform, it was on theirs. So this picture gets released. It went on Facebook as one of their ad campaigns. And I got to read the response for people writing to the brand, not writing to me. Right. Who have no idea who who you are. No idea who I am. And the conversation is repeatedly the same. Thousands and thousands of thousands of women saying, oh my gosh, I didn't know there was another one like me. I didn't know that there was bodies like this out there. This is what I look like. This is the first time I felt represented and felt like that was my body in an ad. And it kind of just woke me up that- What had happened for so many years was that because this one model of a woman had been projected in society, that the rest of us had been hiding kind of in the wings, not realizing how many of us there were. And so I knew how uncomfortable it was going to make me. I never feel great about putting up those photos. Like, just to be clear, I'm not in love with my body. I'm just living beyond my body now. And I act in love for my body. So when I post those pictures, I'm not feeling like, oh my gosh, this is a great This is a great photo of my loose skin and stretch marks. Let's put them on the internet for millions. I do it because I understand now that I am so much more than these things. And I do it because I understand now that if women see themselves represented and they understand how many of these normal, natural, amazing things that our bodies are capable of doing, like expanding, like stretching, like shrinking, How cool is it that we can actually continue to live beyond that? And I realize now that for a lot of women, when they see it on me, they're able to identify it as beautiful. And slowly what happens is when they see it for themselves, they stop thinking about it so much. They stop feeling so bad about it and they start living beyond it. So that was truly what happened and why I continue to show up in that way. But there was a long time that I was doing it sort of apologetically. I was a bit like, I'm learning to accept my stretch marks. I'm learning to embrace my body. And now I'm like, F it. I look good. I feel good. I feel great. <laughs> but more because I'm I'm so much more outside of that. I go to the beach right. with my kids and I'm like, I'm never going to get this day back again. My body's never going to be that perfect thing that I imagined it might be someday. Now I get to just exist and I get to do these things with my family and be present in my life that is truly so fleeting and so unguaranteed. So I think that's kind of my passion is that I don't want people to continue to miss out on life and to stop showing up for themselves simply because they felt like they were the only ones that looked like they did and they simply felt like they weren't enough and that they weren't worthy of life like the rest of us. So that's kind of what, what did it. Well, and so what would you say to a woman who is struggling mm-hmm. with finding that, that confidence, like, cause you have some confidence yeah. like, and, and it radiates and yeah. it's beautiful and it's what every woman deserves, but it's not so easy as just to like flip a switch, yeah. you know? So how, what advice would you give to someone who's wanting to emulate that? Um, well, 
I mean, I think it's one of the bigger things is we do have to identify that visuals really do help us. So first things first, start diversifying the heck out of who you follow. Follow women that look nothing like you. Follow women that look a little bit like you. Follow all different shapes and sizes so you can start to understand the different facets of what beauty is because it isn't just so singular. But the bigger thing is when we look at people we're attracted to and that we love in our life, when you list the top five things that you love about them or that you're attracted to, you'll very quickly realize their body doesn't really make the list. It's not how chiseled their arms. And if I'm going to describe somebody I'm really attracted to, I'm probably going to say things that are a little bit more meaningful in the realm of, you know what, I really love the way they make me feel when we're having a conversation. I love how they go and they talk to that person that is quiet in a room and make them feel welcomed. I really love how they speak with such authority. We we say all these things and as you recognize them about how we view other people, we realize that that's truly how people are looking at us too. Right. So it kind of helps to be confident because you can start to see yourself for more than just what your body looks like that day. Let's be honest, we're all going to be 85 one day and like gone <laughs> to crap. And we right. still want to be like, I want to, I want to show up and I want to be my bomb ass 85 year old self. <laughs> but for all of the good things that I am to people, I care more about how I've left a room than how I look walking into it. It's what are the conversations I've had? What are the bonds we've made? What does this human connection experience look like? Because the most attractive person in the world can have a crap personality and they're not so attractive anymore. So you can do all the things for yourself in terms of, you know, if you're working on your body or you're changing your appearance or any of those things. I mean, I'm I'm such a huge lover of like makeup and skincare and fitness and all of that. Yeah. So I, I'm not anti any of it. I just know that those are just parts of me. They're pillars, but they're not the right. whole thing. So right. in terms of working on your confidence, look at yourself as so much more than this one pillar. Don't look at that one pillar as the most important part of you. Look at all the other parts too, because that's right. what people are most attracted to anyhow. In regards to fitness, because like this is something, obviously it's my it's my job, yeah. it's with my industry. I think about all the time and I really try to be aware of the messaging that I send out. And it took me, I feel like, I don't want to say it took me a while because it's always how I felt, but like I felt like it's not what people wanted to hear from me. Like people wanted to hear like, go work out mm -hmm. and no excuses, mm -hmm. which it's like, honestly, sometimes we need that. You know, yeah, sometimes we sure. need to get real with ourselves if we're, if we're avoiding self-care can sometimes turn into avoidance, you know, to an extent. Um, but I realized like, and even just like through my own life, like fitness is not always going to be the top priority mm -hmm. and it shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. It shouldn't like, if you have like girls will DM me and say like, I have finals. What do I do with my workouts? And I'm like, uh, study. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't yeah. work out. Yeah. Like this is not the time for yeah. you, you know, or just gosh, even so many other moments that are out of your control, like family emergencies or postpartum, yes. you know, or different times of your life. Like fitness is not always going to be the priority and it shouldn't be. And unfortunately, what you see on social media is you know, that perfect, like I'm, I'm fit year round, like, and, and I don't want to knock on a, a woman who her body naturally is yep. fit year round, Absolutely. you know, but like for the majority that that's not the case, like women need to see that they need to see that representation of like 
fluctuating and being okay with it and not being mad at yourself for it. Like we are human, (laughs) you know? We are. And there's so much science behind the fact that people who feel shame are less likely Mm -hmm. to care for themselves. So if we create these conversations, especially people who are trying to be motivating to others, if you just push it and you're like, if you're not doing this, you're not living your life to its full potential. Some people will just be like, oh, well, I can't. So I won't at all. And I think in... A one thing that I've noticed a lot in the way that I receive messages and that I project ones out there as well and why I love so many people in the fitness industry for this is because of the way they speak. When we create conversations around like us and we and I versus you, it actually changes the way that we digest that content. So if somebody's like, you need to be doing this, you need to, you're like, suddenly you're like, don't tell me what to do with my life. Yeah, when <laughs> right, we share right. in the experience and like you're saying, like it's okay to focus on other things. It removes a lot of that shame that a lot of people are placing on themselves feeling like they haven't done their best work. Because let's be honest, there's a lot of people that they're working really hard on their health and it's not physical. Sometimes it's really emotional right. and it's mental. And my husband was the biggest person for this for me. But he said one time, he goes, you know what? I, I was I was struggling actually at the time with gaining a bit of weight. And he said, you know what, Sarah, you had the best summer of your life. And you know what? Maybe you had a few more patio drinks than you normally did. He goes, so did I. But you know what? Life, it ebbs and flows. And so will your body. And I've always remembered that. And I was like, yes, like this isn't my body is so fleeting. And I think that we've we had this when I lost weight. I remember being like, yes, I'm back to the size I was when I was age 12. Like I was proud of that. I was proud of being the size I was at age 12. We have this notion where we need to look like our teenage self. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. really give a lot of room for us to grow into our fullest potential, which looks a million different things in a million different ways. And I remember for myself when I was the biggest time I struggled in fitness was when I had to take I was sick and I had to take two weeks off of it. And the mental struggle it was to take time off of fitness and understand that the healthiest thing I could be doing was resting really Mm -hmm. actually shifted my mindset around it. And now, you know, I, when I work out, I don't think I ever enter into it being like, this is the most amazing thing ever. I think that I'm so in love with the feeling afterwards of accomplishing something that I know really did something for me. It was, it was love in an action not love as a feeling. You don't love that burning sensation through your body, but oh my gosh, you feel like a goddess when you're finished because you right. did something. You activated a self-love act. Um, and you know what? It can look like a million different things. And I don't think we should be doing it if we hate it. I think we got to be right. doing it in a way well, that works for us. And it looks really different for everyone. Right. Because sometimes it absolutely can give you that feeling of like, I love how I feel post, but there are other times that you're, that it causes so much stress that you need to be okay with not working out. Like I even like, I went through my infertility journey these last two years. My doctors literally told me chill. Yeah. <laughs> Take a chill pill yeah. on your workouts, you know, not because there was proof that my workouts were affecting it, but it was kind of like a, we don't know what's going on. Let's try exactly. this, you know, start eating more, working out less. They didn't say to, to abandon it completely. Um, but, and that was for me, I was just like, oh, yeah, like, okay, like I'm going to do it. Of course, doctor's orders, of course, like conceiving is so important. Um, but that was kind of like a really big, like shock to my system of like, 
getting used to that, being okay with it, which like I've never, like I said, I, I'm not an extreme person. Like I, I don't want to go to either extreme. I really am okay with balance and, and missing out on working out for an entire week if yeah. I need to. But like I will say, like I I lost my energy. Like I my mental well being, like that was that was my release. Like and any physical side effects were just kind of like sure, like I don't want to call it a cherry on top, like that's the prize, but like, you know, I didn't hate it, but I wasn't like, you know, chasing it either. But the mental and emotional side, but that can ebb and flow, Absolutely. you know, through different seasons Absolutely. in your life. And and I'm just so happy that there are people on Instagram that are spreading these messages. I love that you mentioned about like having all three sides of like body confidence, body positivity, like and fitness, like yeah. coming together, you know, and it's okay. Like you, you can kind of, you know, be a part of all three or if you want to be in one, like that's great too. And like to not shame anyone for that. hundred percent. And I think a lot of people always identify, they want everybody niched into like one facet right. of who they are. Yes. And that's one thing, you know what? I I'm talked a lot about my body in the last couple of years because that's what I truly was going through. And a lot of people said like, what are we going to see from you in 2020? And I'm like, you're going to see me not being so sorry about it. I think I'm going to show up a lot more as myself. And we're going to continue to talk about things that feel relevant and feel real and feel good. So, I mean- I've been open about my divorce. I've been open about co-parenting. I've been open about remarriage. I've been open about, you know, um, an assault I experienced recently. There's there's so many different parts of us that I think vulnerability and sharing have such a, it's such a conduit to such cool conversations and change. And it doesn't have to be like, I don't want to once again put my body at the core of who I am. So I think that that's really like what you were saying, you know, it's more about the mental and the, the internal, the emotional sides of it. There are these out, outer factors that kind of become the conversation pushers in a way, but they're not the whole picture and they're not the whole story. So I think that we should continue kind of that that conversation, right? right? Where we know people are so drawn by the images, but what is happening right. behind those scenes and what is that real life like? Yeah. Um, you brought up your kids. Mm -hmm. So I would love to hear, you have teenagers now. I know. So, you know, how do you navigate A, like what do they think of you being on social media? Um, and B, like how do you navigate their own experience on social media? So two of my kids, the girls who are older, they're both on social media now um, as they're like 12 and 14, but well, just like, just mildly, my, my oldest one has been on since she was 13. My youngest one, she's just on as an observer. She's not allowed to post anything yet, but we're starting to kind of get those training wheels on. And so a lot of people have very different opinions on what that looks like or feels like. For me, they've grown up in it. My son is nine. He's, I've been doing this for 12 years. So my daughter's 11. Wow. They've literally grown up in this. So um, it's been important for them to kind of see what it is, to figure out what those pain points are and be aware of a lot of this stuff. I know for a lot of parents, there's a lot of fear around social media and a lot of fear about how to approach it. And so we've been really, really open and honest about it. We've been really real about the positives and the negatives around it and for them to create and have authority over what that experience looks like for them. So for me, my oldest had has had an amazing experience. I watched her. She came onto social media and she was this shy, awkward kid. She dealt a lot with anxiety 
And she really liked things that none of her friends liked. I think she had one friend at school that was into the things that she was into. So when she got on social media, she kind of had the same experience I did, which was finding community of people that are into the same things that you're into. So my oldest daughter really loves cosplay. I really don't understand it. I was just talking about this with another guest that Anna Mae is having a moment It's having a moment. My 10-year-old niece is all about it. It's (laughs) unreal. So she's really into this world and it's really taught me as a parent how to be supportive of things that I really don't understand. But more than Mm -hmm. that, watch her, like she's one of the most confident kids. She's so skilled in her craft and to watch her almost as an artist and a creator grow in a space like social media. I mean, what a neat opportunity for her. And I've only seen good things from that. We've also seen some negatives and we've had to navigate Mm -hmm. that too, but I don't believe it's going anywhere. So I do think that it is kind of our job as parents to teach them how to be adults. So for me, I want them to experience things because they are going to grow up into that. They are going to kind of have to step out on their own one day with that. And when it comes to my own social media, we actually give them full consent. So there's a couple factors of this. If they, if I've taken photos and they're in it, I have to ask their consent before they're posted. And one of my kids does not like to be on social media so much. Every once in a while she does. But the other two are full blown, like love it. They think it's funny. <laughs> they just, they're, they're like little comedians. So they think it's great. Um, but we really, really respect that. And I've really taught them That's to beautiful. own their consent there. And so yeah. we, we really worked well with that in terms of any brand partnerships, for instance, because I am also an influencer. If they are involved either creatively as a photographer or in the shot, they actually get a cut of that. So I've taught them to be little business people. I love it. And so that they know their worth. And not only that, but they're really excited to get involved. So my son, he was maybe seven and using a DSLR camera because he wanted the paycheck at the end of that. He's like, if I get the (laughs) shot and this shot is chosen, like, I'm not kidding. I did brand work on photos taken by a seven-year-old child and I paid him for his work. So now I want them to have this experience where years down the road, they're going to look back on this and they're going to say, I worked for mom. I did this and she paid me. I was respected. I wasn't used. I had authority. I had choice. I had consent. And they were part of this with me. So it's been a really good shift for them to experience it in that way and uh, to be part of it, to be honored and to be worth like something and to be respected for that work as well. My mind is just like blown right now. This is so beautiful. I could just tear up. Um, I'm like, because I'm pregnant, you know, and like we're having our first. Yep. And like, I've thought about like, gosh, like kids, they don't ask to be on social media. Like when they're babies or what, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, once they're a certain age, of course I can give their consent. Yes. But that's just really, really amazing. I know. And honestly, if um, I had a baby now, I'd probably post a million and gajillion pictures of them and told the, until yeah, they yeah. had that ability to give me consent or not. I think that I kind of have the ability because they're older to ask that question, but I definitely didn't ask them when they were little. I was like, dang, I get to dress you in what I want to dress <laughs> you in. And I'm posting this picture. Like this is for me until they kind of right. get to their own age and they call the shots. So. Yeah. Amazing. One question I do have mm-hmm. is just about like the negative, any negativity that you've gotten. So like, like a, like once you transition from like fitness to more like body positivity style posts and since you've blown up, like, do you get a lot of negativity or is that not something that you deal with? Oh, oh, I, I don't know anybody on the <laughs> I internet know the answer that's not getting one. negativity. Yeah. 
it's shocking. It's amazing the amount of yeah. things that you can get hated on for. I'm always a little blown yeah. away by it, but uh, it's it's really taught me a lot. And I think that in a way it kind of fuels me and I, and this will make sense, but when we create this bubble of community, then we surround ourselves with people that are like us. We have followers yeah. who are like us. We follow people who are like us and it doesn't really give a lot of room for that challenge. So Sometimes what happens is when somebody comes at me and they really want to be like, your body is disgusting, you shouldn't be showing that, or you should be more modest, or you should dress like this, or you should be a better mom, you shouldn't travel so much for work. When any of those things kind of come about, it reminds me of the oppression that still exists on women and the way that they are able to, you know, have authority over their bodies and their lives or the way that they define motherhood for themselves. It's incredibly interesting to watch that. I would say during my shift from the one to the other, I think most people that followed me for weight loss probably dropped off mm. because, and I'll be honest, like I wasn't ready to follow any other conversation than the kind that was adhering to what I needed to hear at that time, which was yeah. nothing in the realm of self-acceptance or, you know, working out for reasons beyond what you looked like. So I can understand why that would be such a struggle and I totally like bless them as they go. But yeah. um, it did, it was met with some things. I think a lot of people identify with weight gain with laziness and they didn't really identify my weight gain with um, healing and uh, realizing that I was really coming out of a really awful season of disordered eating and a divorce and that my weight gain was actually an incredibly healthy thing to do and that it was really honoring to my body to have that shift. Um, and then I've had things as, as, as crazy as people saying that I've faked my loose skin, which is, I don't, I don't know how you do that, but I mean, <laughs> there's that, it, there's literally been everything. If I chew bubble gum, I'll get in trouble for it. But right. I don't know. I've, I've learned a lot along the ways. And sometimes I think that it's really worth having a respectful conversation. And other times I really do go with the bless them and block them mentality because, I am somebody, I'm still human and I still need to honor my mental health. And I don't think that it's wrong to close down that conversation when it's gone too far or it's been really abrasive. Right. Um, the one thing I will say though, and I spoke out on this year was the amount of um, men that I was dealing with in terms of unsolicited opinions on whether or not I was still screwable. And this is a big conversation that happens when you look anything different than that standard norm, when they now decide they're like, you know what, I'd still F ya. And I kind of spoke out on this. I was like, that that to me is a negative comment because first of all, my body isn't yeah. here for your pleasure. I didn't ask right. this question. I didn't want you to respond on that. And it's a really, it's a really uncomfortable thing to happen. And when I spoke out on it, what was interesting was the amount of women that strangely it actually shifted because so many women talked about their own times of assault and unsolicited things that happened to them. Yeah. And they came at times that they were wearing sweatpants, that they were coming from the gym, they were sleeping. They were, it's not about what we dress like and what that modesty is. And I think that's what's been kind of cool is that sometimes these negative comments have stemmed these really interesting conversations in a much bigger right. realm. And it's really helped me to have amazing conversations with men about being male allies to women and mm -hmm. being able to learn what those things are so I can teach my son them and so that he can be such a great ally to women. I don't want men to feel like they're not a part of this conversation. They're so valuable to it. And we need to empower them.
Yeah. That's really beautiful that you say that because I've always like, I get messages sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I always like, not always, it kind of goes back and forth, but I'll open things with saying, hey girls. Okay. Yeah. And I'll get a DM and a guy's like, hey, like I'm a guy. I'm like, a guy. I'm here. <laughs> but I literally have done that as a defense mechanism yeah. on purpose because I otherwise would get like unsolicited pictures or unsolicited messages and I literally would say hey girls and I even sometimes up my girliness to be like this is a girl zone just because I'm like trying to protect myself on social media which is insane which is crazy that I even have to do that you know so like I do yeah um it's it's an interesting world to navigate it you is. Know, these days. So but. we have women hating on us for one thing or for everything. Right. And then we have men who are unsolicited. Either you're not good enough or all we want to do is like, this is a picture of right. me. This is what I want you to do with that picture. It, it's It's really creating such an interesting balance where we have to figure out what is our truth? Who are we? And and show up as that person. And we say unapologetically, but really we shouldn't be sorry for it in the first place. And we shouldn't right. be asking permission to kind of show up as ourselves and be scared of that or to be, you know, nervous about what that means. And so I've really just kind of tried to navigate in a way that makes me feel like I'm really honoring myself. And I know for you, like when you say like you're you're trying to create that safe zone. That is incredibly common. And when I talked about my yeah. assault that happened just really recently, it happened in January. I was hit in the face mm-hmm. in public. I was five steps away from a police officer and I still got in the Uber and I left and I was just in shock. And when I talked about it afterwards and talked my feelings through it, I was still shamed for not reporting it immediately to the point that people were like, if you didn't report it, you're basically causing the next assault. And so it's funny because when we have these things, we don't realize that everyone's response is so valid to everything. The way you respond to trolls online, the way you respond to negativity, the way you respond to things as extreme as assault, we're doing the best we can to make sure that we're the best protected in that moment. That's flight, that's fight, that's freeze. They're all valid. So for some of us, yeah, like we create a zone in which makes us feel the most safe and the most comfortable because it's a really scary world out there for some of us. And we're still figuring that out. And it looks really different for each and every single person, especially online. Like not everybody has capacity to share pictures of their bodies. You don't have to do that to be a body loving person. You don't have to do that to be confident in your skin. There's a lot of things we don't have to do. And we got to really just use our own truth and and use whatever that our responses are to the best of our own survival. Amazing. I love it. Well, I have one more question for you. So All right. since the podcast is your best life, um, really the focus of this is that there's no one best life. No. Right. You know, like every single person has a different definition or a different truth of what is their version and what has helped them get there. So what do you feel like has been the biggest life lesson that has allowed you to currently live your best life? I think it's self-awareness. I know this is so, it seems so simple, but truly, you know, think about a really good meal that you've had. We love to talk about that. We love to talk about a really great meal we've had and a really bad meal we've had, but we forget to listen to all the really, the the stuff in the middle, the stuff that was just okay. Mm -hmm. What does every day look Mm -hmm. like and feel like? It's not always a really high and a really low. There's a lot of good stuff happening in this middle. And I think in self-awareness, it allows this appreciation for all that stuff, for all the mediocre meals that filled us up, for all the good conversations we had around them. 
it doesn't always have to be this massive thing that happened or this really bad thing that happened. And I think when we start to create self-awareness and just being aware of our thoughts, I mean, they're running through our brain every second of the day and they can flow right through us or we can take a moment to capture them. That's where most of my captions come from, actually, is just that moment of capturing that thought and writing it down and honoring it a little bit. We all have them. We're all like inherently geniuses when it comes to this stuff. (laughs) We're all experiencing human life and it is going to look incredibly different. And for some (laughs) of us, very much the same. So I think that in order to live your best life, you have to be listening. You have to be paying attention because if we just look at what everybody else is doing to live their best life, we're just copying, pasting something that's somebody else's thought, that's somebody else's experience, somebody else's entire life experience. It doesn't really take time to honor what you've done and what you're going through, even in the monotony of your days. What does that feel like for you? What has been the (laughs) best part of your day? It might be incredibly simple. And, you know, I'm doing this new thing now where I give myself gold stars for everyday stuff that I didn't (laughs) want to do, like filling up a gas tank or going to the bank or making that phone call. And it's making me really appreciative of life and its simplicities and not such extremes, right? And and I think that we really yeah. can enjoy life for a lot more simple things. And that's truly how we can live it the best. Beautiful. I'm going to need to use that gold star right? tip. For I literally bought stickers. Monotonous. <laughs> yes, I literally amazing. bought stickers. I'm like giving myself because it's hard. I love it. Yes, it is. I'm feeling so inspired. This was so amazing. Um, for everyone that's listening to get some more of that inspo from you, where can they find you? So you can find me at the birds papaya on Instagram. And I also have a podcast as well called the papaya podcast. We talk a lot in like the mental health realm, have different stories from all different types of walks of life. And it's just a really great human experience connection. But if you head on over to Instagram, find me at the birds papaya that's kind of my wheelhouse. You're going to find everything else from there. So head there first and hopefully we get a chance to connect. Amazing. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you so much. It was amazing. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And we will talk soon. So that was my conversation with Sarah Nicole Landry. And one thing that I just loved that she said is how each the fitness industry, the body positivity industry, and like the body confidence, self-love industry, like those should not all be in their own corners. Like we should all come together, hold hands, you know, and help each other out on this journey because we're not always only going to be like in that one category or in that one spot in our life. Like speaking from personal experience, like there definitely were times that I needed a little bit more body love, body confidence inspo than fitness, especially during like my fertility journey, for example. Um, but there are other times I'm like, I'm ready to kick ass and get going with my workouts and channel robot mode and get that tough love. So I loved how she switched her account from a fitness yeah. to a lifestyle more account, right? Yeah. That that takes guts. Yeah, because you risk losing, you know, that whole platform that you've built and you know, especially yeah. And I like how she pays her kids. Oh my do, gosh, no. Oh work. my god, no. I was seriously tearing up at that. She She treats them as individuals, not just her, you know, I don't know, like just just kids that don't know what they're doing or just do as they told. Like she treats them as individuals. She respects them. She pays them for the work that they do. To be on social media. I think it's awesome. And that is such an important message to teach your kids, you know, that consent is so important and having a say in what you do, getting paid for your time, you know, for your hard work and like 
teaching them to be little business people. Oh, oh my gosh. I, I've never heard someone do that before. And that was just, it's really beautiful to see that she's doing that. Yeah. And that is it for this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, I would love for you to share with a friend, spread the word and help us grow our tribe. Please rate and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes each week. You can also follow us on Instagram and join our Facebook group, both under the same name, Your Best Life Podcast, to keep the conversation going. You can also send me an email at yourbestlifepodcast at gmail.com and you just might be featured in a future episode. Your Best Life is a Gallery Media Group original production.